healing is an interesting word, right? Like if we if we can heal, we should, but there's also something to be said about just sh- shifting because I've noticed that people won't register he- the word healing because one, it's vulnerable and it, there's this um, inference that somehow something is wrong and it needs to be healed. Something is broken and it needs to be fixed. And I think that does a huge disservice to this concept of just change in general, that as an empath, I didn't need to heal. I had to understand, to educate so that I could have an easier time being who I am. You're listening to The Ripple Affect with your hosts, Cheech and Nippy a podcast that explores how individual change has the capacity to affect the whole. From neuroscience to donuts, we're two sisters with a deep curiosity for ancient wisdom and modern knowledge, and we're obsessed with learning alongside you because we don't know. (laughs) Let's dive in. Welcome back to The Ripple Effect. Issa, aka Nibby here, wishing happy holidays to all. What you're about to hear is a kitchen table talk from a little while back. After this episode, we promise you will know us, your hosts, Cheech and Nibby, a little better and definitely more intimately. (laughs) A second ago, you heard Cheech giving an applicable and relatable definition of healing and being an empath. That was from our conversation that we are about to dive right back into. Kiara, you want to give them some highlights of what they can expect? For sure. Kiara here, aka Cheech. In this episode, Issa and I talk about and emphasize the application of knowledge over mere accumulation of it, which is such an important piece. We also discuss the concept of energetic cords and their impact on relationships, as well as the power and potential for growth in sexuality and sensuality. It's such juicy stuff, pun intended. (laughs) I also touch on the significance of educating oneself to better understand being an empath, which is what you're about to hear as per usual at this point, if you've been listening to us, we dive directly into the middle of our conversation. Enjoy. I remember where I was when someone said, oh, you're an empath and labeled me that. And I had never heard that word. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And they said it so confidently. And they said an empath. And I went, "Uh uh-huh, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) What is that? (laughs) And then the journey began, right? And every time I've had more education about my own experience and having it build context for me, when I started to finally research and understand what that word was, what that meant, I turned around and looked back in the rest of my timeline, looked back into my past and said to myself, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. It was like a relief to have a context that made sense for so many situations in my past. And that felt healing. I didn't do anything. I just had a context. And then I look forward and there's the change, the shift that gets to takes place because education is great. But if you don't apply it, if you don't integrate it, then it's just storage. It's just data being stored rather than data being used for your own benefit, really. And like an algorithm grows based on more information and data that's put together, right? These self-learning machines that we have now, like computers, we are a giant supercomputer. We are the most sophisticated computer that walks the planet, at least for now. They're really working on it. 
uh, the uh, quantum computing will probably, you know, surpass us. But even in certain ways that I believe is this consciousness and these almost like spiritual ways that we exist as human beings, we have the ability to look forward, compute, integrate, and then put into action. And computers need thousands of programs, you know, all working separately to do what the human brain and I believe the human spirit does pretty seamlessly. I just want to acknowledge that that notion of input and output and how like life is a game of action and reception, like reception and action. And so I, I really resonate with the fact that it is that we are so amazing. Our systems are so amazing and they integrate within themselves so well. And then, you know, things happen to us and it like separates them and then healing or, you know, doing the work or whatnot, a lot of times it's just reconnecting the different bodies, the ethereal body with the physical body or the spiritual body with the physical body so that you can have a fuller version of yourself that goes out and does life, you know, but I I really do think that it's important to acknowledge that notion of receiving information, gathering data, collecting the, the tools, the people, the environments that are good for you, and then going and doing them, experiencing it, practicing it, um, concentrating on it, giving it your focus, your attention, and really living. I really think it's important to remember that life is a action sport. And I see a lot of my clients get really stuck in the consumption. And I think that that's societal. And I think that that's cultural for the United States. But I I see it a lot where they're like, I just need to gather more information. I just need to get more certifications. I just need to get another degree. I just need to learn more. It's an archetype. And and sometimes it's important to pattern interrupt and, and go, okay, enough is enough. No more consumption of content. Put it into practice. You don't need anything else. What what one thing have you learned that you can apply today? And I think that is super important. And 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 we're meant to do that as part of the human condition is to have progress and to expand and explore. And I think that's what consumerism plays on really well and gets us twisted is we have this innate nature that wants to continue to expand and wants to grow and get more and, and, and receive more. That in and of itself is beautiful and can be really helpful. But when you put consumerism on it, then you think that if you get a bigger house, it's going to make you feel better. Or if you buy more, it's going to make you feel better. If you, you know, change your body, your looks, you you know, then it, then it equals what you're looking for. But what you're really trying to attain is simply expansion and you can attain that by grabbing that information and then using it to expand your experience. It's like a feedback loop that works. Yeah. And being with yourself more fully. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to just say that. I also wanted to just touch on this concept of tools because I think that's something that's really, I know is so helpful for me is having my centering practice, having my grounding practice, having my decording practice, having my somatic practice, having my breathwork practice, having therapy, using exercise, knowing my unique joy bringers. And and that toolbox, I think is really valuable. And I'd like to share more of those, you know, your affirmations, your practice, your whatever the fuck it is. I am always looking for more of those from others. And so I would love to share what I do to just like 
feed more, put it more on the plate, you know, like, here's what I do, like, like potluck, like, here's what I do. You tell me what you do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And for any first time listeners, I want to contextualize that this kitchen table talk um, that you're listening to are how Issa and I have decided we're going to basically not vet, but take from. So we're doing this to kind of then go, oh yeah, those, that's where we want to do a deep dive. That's where we want to get a guest on. That's where we want to have a separate episode around just grounding, centering, or just breath work, or, you know, and so we're mentioning these through our a natural conversation about our lives and what we're kind of going through to be able to then offer something of real value. So that's why we're like kind of not going into it right now. <laughs> and and just and just for clarification as well, like this is more of our, you know, relaxed, candid conversation with one another that help us kind of process out what we think would be helpful for you. So um and helpful for us. Cause I definitely want to hear more about your tools as well. Yeah. I would love to walk you through a decording Kiata on, you know, on a podcast and then people could essentially be you and experience a decording and always be able to come back to it and do it whenever they need it, you know? Please tomorrow. Yeah. We, can we record that? <laughs> like now, can we just forget the kitchen, everything I just said about the kitchen table talk? We are going to now do a decording process with Kiana because she fucking needs it. <laughs> as an I feel, oh my God. So when I did, I have to just share when I did a decording process with our mom for the first time, normally there's a visualization process. And just to give like a little bit, just a tiny bit, whenever we interact with people, depending on the depths of the interaction, there's small energetic or large energetic cords that get connected to one another. And a decording process is like the process of unhooking or unplugging those that have been attached to you and then taking back the ones that you've attached to others and and bringing them back into your system. And this is a process that helps you to not be affected by others. And it helps you to really operate within your own system, which I think is one of the most mature things we can do as adult humans. But when we when I did this process with my mom, you know, a lot of people after they'll they choose to share with me what their experience was through this guided meditation. And she was like, Oh, my gosh, when you told me to visualize the cords that had been attached to me, which I actually I don't even think I said, but in, in the context of the conversation, she said, I saw all the cords that were attached to me. And it was like, <laughs> it was like, millions of strings all around me every every they were all over (laughs) I was like oh my god you poor thing oh and this is why I said I need one tomorrow yeah like for me when I do that process I'll have like three or four you no like for real like for real but I've also been doing this for long enough where I do it often enough where I'm clearing my energy systems out and not allowing them to build up but for a woman who's 70 and hasn't ever done this and was an empath her whole life. I mean, that was extreme. That was the most extreme I've ever heard of. Well, I just say, cause I am her daughter and yeah. I know that I have had little tastes of this too. And it's the same for me. So I'm just like, when you said four, I was saying, fuck you in like a, <laughs> a envious way, in a very envious way of like, oh, okay, brag. I'm just so interested in this because of, of the, just the utility. I'm so curious of like, what? the fuck is actually happening because you have that science like psychic emotional courting like what is the is there a quantum process that can explain this more is it a somatic how do when I have a conversation with a stranger 
Or for me, I've gotten so much better about this, but I will cord to fucking objects. Mm. If someone gives me something, I cord and wrap to fucking objects. So all mm. the objects in my house have all this meaning and all of this energy exchange happening whether through thoughts, like when I look at this thing, I think of the person who gave it to me, or I think of the context of that, or I think of, oh, I need to move that. Like there's all of this almost ADD like things happening because it's a signifier. When I look at a thing, because there's this cord, there's a signifier that my system opens up and starts processing that, that opening up that relationship essentially. And to think about having relationships with fucking everything, I'm sorry, but no, I don't think that's how we operate optimal, you know, system operations. I don't think that's right. Yeah. And I I think that's why I I stress like the maturity of being in your own energy system, because when you are corded to something, you can't give it the energy it needs. And when you hold that cord open they can't fully connect and be fully in their system. So when I say maturity, it's truly letting things be what they are on their own and be fully them and not have your influence on them or your illusion of your influence on them, but also just straight up acceptance for everything as it is. Because when we're energetically corded, there is an exchange that goes back and forth and it it does pull us out of ourselves. Oh yeah. I've had so many experiences continually like this because combining that with a traumatized past, for instance, or any kind of survival attempt, meaning when I'm courted with someone, then you feel the dependency as if though when they move or they choose or they do or they say, that it can have consequential effects on you. And that codependency is not good. Uh, Codependency has a lot of layers to it and lots of different angles you can look at it. And one of those angles is energetic cords because what you said about clearing your own biofield, right? When you say you're clearing your system, it is the biofields of thought, emotion, energy, spirit, all of the the different bodies, right? All these different sophisticated parts of our system that aren't the things that are addressed when we go to uh, doctors and be like, okay, I have this thing, I'm exhausted. Okay, what are your symptoms? But more like our our autonomic nervous systems, our parasympathetic nervous systems, these things that take in all of that data and are processing it. So it's such a an incredibly sophisticated layered thing. And I just I just got excited basically and went on a rant about probably what a lot of people already know. <laughs> no, I don't think, I mean, I don't think a lot of people know that. And I don't, even if they do, the perspective of it is helpful even for me to hear. Yeah, there is a lot happening in that process. And there is, there, there is terminology behind it. There is people that are studying it. It's not just the woo-woo anymore. We are starting to integrate the fact that there are a lot of systems that make our bodies, minds work or don't work. You know, there's a lot going on that is beyond balancing your hormones. You know, it's inclusive of it and then beyond it, right? Yeah, it's not absolutely. Just like, yeah, it's like it's like this and that. Yeah, that's why in my coaching process, that's I think that it's all connected. You know, so people come to me for nutrition coaching, but. I mean, we got to talk about what's going on in their lives and why 
why they're at where they're at and what the limiting beliefs are and where, you know, where they're connecting to. And, you know, protectionism with weight is a big linking factor and safety set points and why they're holding things. Like it's so interconnected. It's, you can't separate it. There's no way to separate it. Absolutely. Protectionism. I've never heard of that. And I already like, oh, that's a great topic. <laughs> um, so coming back to you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So, so. Hi friends, Kiata here. I'm interjecting to give a little bit of backstory to what you're about to hear and to set up Issa's uncharacteristic share about her personal life and newfound romance. So what was left on the cuddling room floor that I want to describe was Nibby describing how she met this person late night at a festival, exchanged a few texts and began exploring the potential of something good. That's the setup. And now we jump right into Issa sharing about their first encounter when she has invited herself to a wedding. He's like, all right, well, you want to go on this? You want to go to LA with me? Like, I'll buy you a ticket to come to this wedding with me. And I was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Wait, okay. I have to back up a little because like we were just texting back and forth. And I was like, well, do you want to talk later? You know? And he's like, yeah, sure. I think I read... I was reading articles or I can't remember how it came about, but I found this article that was the 36 questions. Have you heard of that? No. Essentially, it's a psychologist who created this list of 36 questions to ask anybody to fall in love with them. So it's a process where you ask these 36 questions and then you look into each other's eyes for four minutes. And so I was like, oh, I have some questions to ask you, right? Like didn't tell him what was going on. No, I have a question about this process first before you say anything more. The psychologist created it as a tool to fall in love with someone or as a measure of if you ask these questions and they sync up with you, then there's the potential is it a hack or is it a... He, he did a study on it where he had strangers go through this process and studied the results of them falling in love with each other after. I read and, the article and, that was in the New York Times where this the journalist had heard about the study. She tried it and fortunately for her article and why so many people were like, whoa, what? Is she ended up falling in love and marrying this guy, right? So she was like, it doesn't work for everybody, but it is a good way to drop in deep with somebody pretty quick and it's not conventional. And I was like, well, that's cool. I'm not really looking for some surface shit. So might as well ask these questions. At least I'll get to know somebody faster, right? And deeper. Didn't really put the potential of like actually falling in love with anybody. I was just kind of like, ah, maybe it'll work on him, but not me. Whatever, you know? But also one last question before you proceed into your story. Um... I just want to clarify, was the intention of the study to prove that these questions create an opening for falling in love? Or was it, was the conclusion of the study that these questions make someone fall in love? No, it, the, the first, not the latter, to my okay. knowledge, okay. to my knowledge. So continue with your story then. I'm curious now. Okay, so we did these questions, right? And it was really fascinating. and definitely divulge stuff that you would never talk to somebody about the first time talking to them on the phone, right? And we found out we had like a lot in common. Some of the examples of these questions are, you know, what's your perfect date? Or um, if you could change one thing about yourself tomorrow, what would it be? Or if you had a superpower, what would it be? And then and then it prompts you to tell your the person that you're doing it with three things that you like that they've told you or go over three things that you found out that you have in common 
it kind of like it goes through these process of like asking you questions and then having you do these back and forth things. And then and then it'll tell you, okay, set a timer for four minutes and describe a memory in your childhood in full as much detail as you can. So we did it, right? It was really it was fun. And later he was like, no, I thought it was really intelligent and definitely got me out of my comfort zone, which was nice, you know? So I was like, oh, that's cool. So we do that, right? And then I'm like, yeah, I'll go to this wedding with you. Why not? We get to the airport, we meet in the airport parking lot. And I was like, all right, now we have to stare into each other's eyes for four minutes, which was so awkward. I don't know if you've ever done that with anybody that you don't fucking know. Wait, what did you feel like you had to do that? Is that part of the thing? Were you continuing the process? That's the last step of the process. Oh, Jesus Christ. But you did it separately at different times. You're supposed to do all at one time and you did it in like different sittings? We did all the questions at once. We did all 36 questions at once, but we weren't together. We were on the phone. So we couldn't look into each other's eyes. Okay. Yeah. Probably after asking all the questions and then going right into it, it wouldn't have been as awkward. I don't know. I don't know. So I just have to tell you that we literally met on Sunday night of this festival at night hung out for a couple hours and then went our separate ways, started texting, talking. Like I didn't, I do not know this person at all. Okay. So we we meet in the parking lot. We're like, okay, now we have to sit and stare at each other for four minutes. He's like, all right. So we sit there and we start staring at each other. And four minutes is so long. Literally, he's like, it feels like it's been longer than four minutes. I was like, did I press start on the timer? Like watch her just sitting here for like 20 minutes because I didn't press start on the timer. Uh, but it did. I did. And it went off. And then I was like, well, that was, it was a great way to start the trip because it was by far like the most awkward thing of the trip. After that, it was like, okay, nothing can be awkward, more awkward than that. Long story short, like we went to this wedding, his friend's wedding, which is crazy. Like in LA, you came to LA and did not hit me up. This is now I'm just now realizing you've been in LA. You didn't fucking talk to me. You didn't tell me any of this. You didn't say you were here. This is I told you I have I I told you that I am a private like usually really private about this stuff. I already knew that. <laughs> so this is this. Usually I don't get to hear this part. So thank you, podcast, because yes. you would have never shared this with me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So the long story short is that like we continue. The short story long. The short story long. <laughs> exactly. The reason I am telling you all this is because it has changed. Having this relationship and having this experience has completely changed me internally and then exploring sexually with somebody different and for the first time having sex with what what I'm really kind of hesitant to say but like loving someone I'm pretty sure I'm falling in love with this person and exploring sexually with like the level of love has really shattered things inside of me and Talking about change and talking about the phases of change, I've been exploring the orgasm reflex, which is not just for having an orgasm, but it's the the process in life of becoming aware of something and then giving that thing space to grow and gain awareness of it and then sustaining it and then completing it. And that process, it's really opened up a lot in me to learning about change and growth and acceptance and the phases of change and and I've I can be open with the fact that I have not experienced an orgasm 
with a partner before. And so exploring that and then in my interpersonal work, why and my trauma with completion is a big thing that has come to my awareness. And I just I, I just wanted to put that into the podcast and out there because I know sexually speaking, a lot of people don't talk about it. And I just think that there's a lot of power for change and power for self-exploration and power for uncovering things about yourself within your sexuality and your sensuality. And I think those two topics are really important to me at this point in my life. And I think that could hold a lot of value just going forward. I had a conversation with one of my friends who's, she's 84, I think. And um, we started talking just about the subject of sex. And she was really open about sex and open about how much her life and her journey and sex and all these different things. And she was like, I have all these books I would love to gift gift you or just let you you know borrow because I think if you're interested in these subjects like Taoism and Tantra and and I was like yeah sure and so I I have this stack of books so I'm saying this because I've started exploring these things and I know that this is going to be a theme for me ex- exploring in my own self growth um, and that is why I told you that whole story that is the point of the story. <laughs> First of all, just acknowledging personally, even though this is a public thing we're going to publish, I'm so excited for you. Thank you. That's so exciting. It's a wonderful, it's not even a big deal. It's this natural, progressive, organic next step because I know how deeply and how, you know, focused and committed you are to your own, not just personal growth, but seeking true satisfaction in your life. And I know because I'm your sister and we talk what that journey's looked like, even in just the one category and subject of relationships. And I, I'm really glad you shared that just with me personally. Like, thank you for sharing that. That's exciting regardless of where it goes or, you know, relationships are so squirrely sometimes. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. And I think it's really important. I can hear Calvin's voice being like, don't get ahead of yourself, sis. Like, it's really important to stay where you're at with things and not go too far into letting the mind go into the future. And so I think that's really important too. Because it is a known known, especially with your heart and a relationship. It's, it's the deepest place of potential unknown that you can interact with and try to explore on your own. And then together. So I like yeah. deeply acknowledge that. And then secondarily, I'm really glad you brought up that. And then for the purpose of exploring change through sexuality and sensuality. And just as we were talking before about how there's so much information available that so too is so much data and information about sexuality and this puritanical foundation of the United States has so much limitation on everyone and especially women on the conversations of growth, sexuality, orgasms, that what you just shared about orgasm cycle is what you called it. What'd you call it? An orgasm um, it's called the orgasmic reflex and it's re- researched by Wilhelm Reich. Dude, just the intrigue and interest level and value that I can pinpoint in that is is really expansive. I will say that like for me, it's been really interesting to have always known since I was very, very young that sexuality and sex and that 
activation in my body is such a key component to my health. And then not having, like you said, like conversations about it, having to stay private, feeling stigmatized and or shame, but also personally just being very like, oh no, I love this. This is important to me. And coming into my adult life, then realizing how much I have still yet to explore. And because of the puritanical nature of the foundation of this country and the continual kind of repressive nature um, through a lot of religious orders around sexuality, there isn't nearly enough conversations so that it can be accessible, normalized, destigmatized. And I know, I think I mentioned the Netflix show on pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you had read a book or something similar from one of the authors that was on that show. So I really gained just a lot of insight, understanding from these different women's perspectives and these different scientists' perspectives around pleasure and how it has to do with both sex and then not related to sex as well, just this concept of pleasure. And a real quick story, when I talk about like the puritanical part of the United States, I just remember being in Europe, for instance, and traveling in college And we were in, I think we were in Amsterdam, Issa, I think you and I were, I think you were there with me. We walked into a mall. This mall was a converted church. It was the most beautiful building. It was a two-story marble structure and they had converted it into a mall, like a modern American mall. So there's a a top story mezzanine and then from from the top rafters all the way down to the floor was a giant banner advertisement like a vertical banner advertisement of a woman topless and it's like family it's like a mall and I remember being instantly aware that that would never fly in America you would never have it no and it and it was literally sanctioned to be in the small. No one was protesting it. Nothing was wrong with it. It was, and in that moment, amongst other moments, I just really saw the cultural difference around bodies, sex, so many things. And I just, I wanted to briefly like kind of contextualize what I mean by like the puritanical foundation of our roots of this country that people left Europe wanting to be more religious and more strict, not <laughs> the Puritans were like, you know, people are getting too loose. We want to be more serious about religious. Mm-hmm. And that's who came over. <laughs> like, so those are some roots that we have to deal with. And I, I don't think any of us have gotten out of it or like we operate without it. And so I think it's really important for women to acknowledge that that is what we've been raised in and to different extents based on your religion and your, the way, you know, your location and all of that. But how much power is in a woman's pleasure is so immense. And the biological, the physical, the spiritual nature of what can happen to the female body during sex is so profound. And I think it has traditionally scared men. And I think that the patriarchy has designed itself in order to maintain a level of control and power over it. And I think it's time that that just starts to break down. And I think it is breaking down, but I, I want to be a part of that breakdown. I want to own I love that. my sexuality. I want to own my power. I want to own 
you know, not even own, I don't even think that's the right word. I just want to embody it all, you know, and and be the most full version of myself. I want to experience as much as I can in this life so that I can be the fullest version of myself. That part has been compartmentalized for me. And that's what I'm trying, I'm, you know, starting to free up. And that is what excites me is that, that realization that there's so much more. And what you said, you know, it's funny, like I've started seeing a sex therapist, which I think is immensely valuable. (laughs) Um, But also like I learned that there, there is a cap of how much pain a human can experience before they die of pain. You can be tortured to death. You can die from pain. However, there is no upper threshold of the amount of pleasure a human can experience. You can just keep experiencing more and more and more pleasure. So wherever you find yourself on that scale, it's important to know that you can explore deeper and you can experience more. So if you feel satisfied, great, but know that there is a deepening you can continue to explore and and there's no upper threshold to the amount of pleasure you can hold in your body. Wow. Yeah. That's such an interesting framework of thinking about how we explore life through our minds, how we explore life through our emotions. And I, and I didn't actually connect the nature of exploring sexuality as a part of the extension of that physical experience and like pushing those limits and seeing what else is there. Even though earlier I referenced it's such a deep well, I think even in that sentence, there's intellectually diving in, but this very topic almost commands experience for you to keep diving into that well, right? And I think that one of the historical references that I always go back to from being an art historian Studying that is the first classes I took in college, you know, they start you at the beginning in art history. So you go to the earliest found pieces of art, these clay pagan sculptures of the fertility goddess. Mm -hmm. And they are everywhere. And then you learn how that pagan figurine and that deeply, deeply rooted honoring of not only the mother, but the goddess of pleasure, the fertility, the act of that converting energy to create that worshiped being, the Catholic church very deliberately took that and turned it into the Virgin Mary over time, the rose, the Virgin Mary, there's all kinds of iconography prior to people who could read and write. And so there was iconography through imagery and paganism in Europe faded out through this changeover into um, Christian symbols. But it was there. It was there in terms of this is important. This is a centralized importance to focus on the female and honor and respect and worship and understand life through that framework. I too am trying to own that more in terms of comfort, just comfort speaking about it, comfort being expressive. As as you know, I recently in my life kind of gained enough insight, enough comfort to share, oh, I'm a bisexual. I've been bisexual. I just didn't even realize for my own self that that was okay. I did feel shame about this, or I just didn't even, my brain didn't even let me contextualize that I, that I really am attracted to women, that I really, and I'm married in a heterosexual relationship. So it's like, 
oh, that adds like this layer. But even why I'm saying that is just to say that my own personal expression of this is my truth around this part of sexuality made me feel more integrated as a whole being. It made me understand myself, but it is such a, such a important piece of owning narrative is all I want to say about that. Yeah, I, I am so right there with you. Owning your own narrative, I think is really important and, and it's your autonomy as a being and that you can be whole and you can be in your full expression and that it's safe to be there, you know, and that you can have fun from there and you can live from that space. That is what that the idea of that is so intriguing to me, you know, and the the part about embodiment, hearing you talk about having that realization within yourself and then having the courage to step into that and really fully feel acceptance in your own system of that thing enough to be able to then share it with others and get that feedback loop of acceptance from others to then be able to sit in your own seat and feel more whole and more fully yourself. That is part of that action of life and that embodiment. I recently did an EFT session with our niece Carly, which is an emotional freedom technique. It's tapping. And I walked her through a a process and did did a, a session with her the other morning. And we were talking about embodiment and how, you know, how you hear words or even like intellectualize, like you're talking about things, and then you experience them in, in your body. And you have a deeper understanding of the thing. Yes. <laughs> that, those are the more potent. Those have been my most potent somatic, those type of somatic works. Again, we are a physical body on purpose. There's yeah. so much to it. And there's so much neglect, even personally in my own life neglecting of my physical body is such a disrespectful. And I mean that with like a lot of love and compassion for myself, but I've learned what's the highest extension of my own self-worth or measure of my self-esteem that I express and practice is the either respect or disrespect of my physical body. Either if it's through words and how I speak to myself or how I look at myself, how it reflects out that I look out into the world and look at others, or if it's, you know, not being able to connect or understand these are the things that bring me joy. And all of that is to say that it's just this powerful, very tangible thing that houses us that is the only thing. And to shout out to any atheist. You got your body, you're here, and then you're not. And that's such a powerful point of view as well. Like Mm -hmm. to think about that relationship and all the sensations that you can use to experience this variety of the conscious experience of life. But I think that that's, um, wow, there's so much to explore there. Yeah, I think embodiment is like where it's at. I'm pretty sure that's, that's the... The cream on top of life is when you can be fully in your body and present. And I think that's like part of switching into your parasympathetic nervous system. I think it's part of respecting yourself. I think it's part of experiencing love in your system. I don't think there's a way to do that without being embodied, you know? And I think that there's a lot of power in that and just in love in general, like the frequency of love, how 
how powerful that is and what's going on there. Like when we say love, that also unfortunately can be such almost like a woo-woo term sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like love yourself. Oh, make no fucking mistake. When you are able to activate in your mind and in your emotional systems, a frequency of love, your organs benefit from it. Your cells, there are tangible positive effects for this blanket term called love. And then then and then the reverse osmosis of that is like, how do you enter into love when you've been abused, when you've been taught otherwise, when you've been contextualized or systematically oppressed into feeling less than worthy of your love, when you've been uh, physically, mentally traumatized and your heart space is closed off to receiving or giving. That is why those things are so important because of the benefit of when that love molecule experience can come through to you, all that opens for your physical, mental, spiritual, emotional health. Like the- Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I think that that's like why, Kiara, I think it's like, that's why I wanted to just open that part of me up that I don't normally do because I've, I've gotten to put my toe in the giant river of love and felt what that's done to my body. And I can't not share that this is a reality that people can tune into that because I can feel how powerful the current is and not just through sex, through my breathwork practice and, and through opening up to something greater than myself and and having creating structures of safety and of of trust for myself i think that the subject matter of of love and and self love again like the the words don't really encompass but when you feel that for yourself what it can literally unhinge and unlock and release and unblock in your system is immense it's the easiest way to, it's like yeah. the, the path of least resistance kind of thing. Yeah. Not, not saying it should be easy for anybody. I am experienced not that. What I'm saying is that from my work in the Akasha over and over again, and me personally, and I was going to bring up the same thing you just said is like to love in the context of a relationship is talking about one individual and another individual, but really it's a path of individuality of, of learning to open up to self-love, meaning the love that is universal, that you are totally worthy of, that you are absolutely, you know, either call it divinely or innately, it's divinely or innately yours. And so that journey for you, for instance, Isa, the potential for you to experience this, this potential partnership and the love that can come out of this I can see and correlate it to the willingness of going into loving yourself and exploring that journey first. That's the only reason that I can see among, I mean, it's a huge part of it rather why that's opening up. And I see that so much in clients and it's not just in, 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 in having a relationship, right? It's, it's the same for business. It's the same for creative projects it's the same for personal healing. It, it is a common denominator <laughs> and the, the hub that it creates and all the spokes that come off of that, of, of love. 
I think that that is a very powerful topic that can have many offshoots. I'm really actually motivated to break it down a little more. Like what is the process of self-love? What does that mean? Scientifically what's going on, but then also uh, therapeutically, what are the benefits? And even qualitative researcher like Brené Brown, how she talks about love and belonging. And she makes these incredible definitions going back to like the power of language, why we cannot begin to understand ourselves or each other if we can't at least have some type of language. We are language-based beings. We are visual beings and we are language-based animals. So those type of deep dives into something as broad as love gets me really excited to offer myself and people for sure. I think I hear you and I would agree just exploring even access points to self-love, like how people experience it because we only see through our own perspective, right? So I only have my experiences of how I've been led through ways to embody and experience love. But I know there's like, there's what do they say? There's like 250 ways to do dishes. There has to be so many ways to access the frequency of love. Oh, there has to be also because everybody's individual, meaning no two people have an identical experience of the way that it's formed, of the way that they understand it, of the way their own specific bodies and energy and spirit respond and what they're here for. So yeah, it has to be different, of course. Yeah. And I mean, for me personally, I remember experiencing self-love and looking down at my feet and just being like, oh, like... Like in full adoration of my feet. Wow, look at those. The most adoration possible, but for yourself and those feelings. You know how they say if exercise were a pill, it'd be the most widely sold pill in the world. Mm -hmm. I think that if love was a pill, it might beat out exercise, you know? Well, and this is um, interesting that you say that because like, right, why exercise is so good because of the different hormones that are released in the brain and all the benefits and then just like, probably so many others that I'm no expert on. But as an actor, I know the complexities of the human body as an instrument and having to be able to be nimble and emotionally available to circumstances that are not my own have called me to look at I have such a harder time accessing that creativity and those skills if I am not being very kind and gentle and loving toward myself in that process. I can't really even explore with any creative form. But when you're using your own body, your own voice, your own appearance, your own emotions, it's a very quick way to tap into. Yeah, Issa's looking at me going, I have to pee. She was doing the like bouncing up and down dance um, for a little bit. I'll just pause it and wait for her to come back. While my past self takes a bathroom break, my present Issa self wanted to touch on something we've talked about throughout this episode. My nutrition coaching, decording processes, and emotional freedom technique, also known as tapping. All of those are services that I provide within my professional coaching. If you are interested in exploring any of these things, just reach out to me, text me, or if you want to slide into my DMs at enourish underscore on Instagram or visit my website for more information, www.enourish.life. All right, back to Cheech on the topic of embodiment. I was just pointing out that that's why I think people do recommend acting classes to people like, hey, take an acting class because it's a really old art form, one of the oldest that do call you to be more aware 
of your relationship to your voice, to your body, to your thoughts, to your emotions. And I think it's really powerful. Um, recently through certain healing sessions that I've got to have with practitioners that I use, it has come through in the Akasha as well. Akashic records is this, the ability and the attempt to actually feel what you're feeling. And for me, self-love really started to take on a whole new mm, level or um, understanding. And really, I'm exploring it in a whole new way when I started to recognize the safety I can build from feeling and checking in with what my actual experience is and the respect. Yeah. But how difficult that is how quickly I'm taken out of myself and into someone else's experience or concerns for a group or obligations for work or so many other things. And the practice of having to come back and and go, wait, 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 what do I actually, what is my truth? What do I actually feel? What am I physically experiencing? What am I emotionally experiencing? You know, and getting practice at that so it doesn't take as long. Because right now it's like I have to really kind of set, set some boundaries and be like, whoa, wait a minute, slow down, slow down, because I go so fast. So it's a practice of slowing down and a practice of opening up and creating space for myself so that I am in a more rhythmic, truthful, rhythmic pattern for there to just be the potential for me to be more in tune with who I really am or what I really feel and then be able to respect and accept that. And that to me is a cycle, a one way of explaining self-love that I'm exploring. Yeah, that is such a potent way to explore self-love to build a process of safety in your system by feeling your feelings is that right oh yep yeah because so often I will run away I will cover over go quickly past something because oh I'm actually uncomfortable I'm actually in pain or sometimes I'm actually really wanting to be so excited about this thing, but I'm limiting because of how it'll look or how I have a childlike nature to me that I've just started to unlock that was really stifled early on having to be so serious, having to be so protective of my own self in the environments that I grew up in. Like this is why I had to start to engage in playing soccer because something is like so goofy. I started playing pickleball because it is, I'm so bad and it is so fun. And I don't care. I'm with a bunch of old people who are super good at this sport that is so fucking funny and weird. And I am like, just all smiles. I'm like that person. They're like, why is she smiling so big? She's terrible. (laughs) I like because it's like a practice. I'll watch my brain, literally my old system, my systematic, uh, uh, you know, traumatized system, try to criticize me try to be like, oh, you should have, you should have got that ball. And because it's such a new practice, I will literally insert the love, the love version, which goes, oh, I can't be good at this yet. There's no way. Like I, all it is, I'm just here to sweat and have fun. Like stop. I actually have language to talk to my, to my system. I, I get to have that inter, inter conversations with myself, um, through a practice of a sport that just allows enough context and, and structure for me to release. And each time I do that, I feel like I'm coming closer to a sense of loving and accepting myself. Yeah. What a practice. That is such a beautiful practice and process and such a good thing to remember. Thank you for sharing. Because even for myself, it's like, h- how do you 
create that foundation, but in the day-to-day moments, in the activities in the day where you create a foundation for safety for yourself in any situation that is linked to your own self-love. How do you, how do you be gentle? How do you be kind? How do you be forgiving? How do you be coddling to the little person inside of you that like really needs a lot of love. Like we do, we require a lot of love. And when you didn't get it from your parent or your parent didn't know how to express it or had all their own shit or like you didn't have parents or whatever your childhood was like, it doesn't change the fact that the person inside of you requires love. We need it. And if we can give it to ourselves, it opens up giant channels to be able to receive it in other ways as well. So true. Wow. That last piece you just said, like it opens up the channels to receive. Gosh, that's so, uh, that's a topic. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right, sister. All right, sister. Good talking to you. Yeah, you too. Thank you for sharing everything you shared and... Thanks for giving me space and time to share what I needed to share. I'm really grateful for the powerful sharing that you did. Yeah, I'm I'm excited and I felt the ripple. Yay! You sharing helped me in in the affect of that. So the ripple effect is alive. It mm. is thriving. <laughs> mm, that's good to hear. I think that it's only beginning. Yes. All right. Almost clan. We're super appreciative of having you here with us as well. And we will see you, hear you, listen. How does it go? We'll see. We won't see them. We will. You'll, you'll hear us next time. (laughs) That's funny. Usually like when I leave someone, I always say like, I'll see you when I'm looking at you, but this doesn't apply to this. Like we will never see you. Well, maybe, but not in this medium. (laughs) All right, sis. Love you. Love you. Love you too. Ciao. Okay, I I think we did it. Listen, I don't know what we did, but we did it. <laughs> Look, unattainable ideals are overrated. We're way more connected and deserving than society's false sense of separation dictates us to be. You're not just one person, you're enough. Your effort is enough and change is possible. Question the standard that says otherwise, because... What if almost is good enough? Just by tuning in, you're a part of our clan. Not in a culty way, though. (laughs) We don't know how far this ripple can go, but we're going to keep showing up. And we'll never get to perfection, but we're all going to be okay if we let the process be the solution and we see the value in the attempt. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Ripple Affect. We're looking forward to exploring a different facet of change with you next Tuesday. Same time, same place next week. For show notes and additional resources, check out our website at rippleeffectpod.com. That's affect with an A. Kiara has worked diligently to make our website interactive. Please visit it so it wasn't all for nothing. (laughs) In all seriousness though, there's a ton of resources there. DM us directly at Ripple Effect Pod on Instagram and let us know what you liked about our show or any of your own ideas. We're really excited to hear from you. We value your feedback because it helps us make the pod better and it's our way of including you in our process. Okay, so ratings aren't the point of why we do this. We really want to make a change in the world. But in the matrix, there are 
algorithms. So yeah, every single review we get helps the ripple go farther. To help us out, please take two seconds, find the ratings and review section on whatever platform you're listening from, click five stars, wink, wink, and leave a review. We know you're busy, so just saying hello or literally hi as the review helps us hack the matrix. We sincerely appreciate it. If you want to become officially initiated into our clan, again, not in a culty way, hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. And as always, we're in it with you. Keep questioning. Stay curious. You got this, clan. A special thank you, love, and credit to the magnificent Mia Casasanta for this beautiful music you're listening to right now.